Gridiron Grinder, Hut Hut Hike. Bam, James. It's Thursday night, Gridiron Grinder time. Doing it a little bit early this week. Uh, this is uh, episode 101 of Gridiron Grinder. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, my buddy James. Uh, tonight, we're going to be kicking things off with Name That Stadium. Then we're going to hit our recap of the news from this past week. Uh, after that, <clears throat> we're going to take a look at Central Michigan players in the NFL. And last but not least, we'll close things off with question of the week. And so uh, with all that being said, how's it going tonight, James? It's going good. How's it going with you? Good, man. You know me, man. I'm, I'm pumped to be talking about some of my homies from Central, you know. And so uh, we had a lot of them get added to the list this year, which is nice. And so, you know, just seemed like a good good time to hit that segment. Uh, okay, so... <clears throat> Before we get to our recap of this past week, let's do Name That Stadium, James. And so for anybody who's watching, uh, this is a part of the show where you can see James is out there traveling the country. Every week he's got a new stadium in his background. Uh, Basically, we're just asking if you think you know what stadium that is, hit us up in our comments section. First person to get the right answer gets a special shout out next week's show. Uh, James, where were you at last week, man? Last week I was in Vegas. I... Kind of felt like Vegas, when you look at with what we were doing last week, you know, top 10 position, Vegas is really underlooked at at the wide receiver or at the fan, for fantasy football. And I was, as I was going through it, it kept, kept seeming like, you know, okay, this guy's from Vegas. This guy's, this guy plays for the Raiders. This, and I was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'll just go to Vegas this week. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I was telling you that after we did our uh, super early records predictions, I kind of went back and looked more at the roster and did my typical adjustments with some of the stuff. And I felt like it's actually like a lot stronger of a roster than what I was originally giving it credit for. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm still not like a crazy fan of McDaniels. And so, uh, but they got some talent, man. So they definitely can do something. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, hey, we didn't get any takers for name that stadium, even though it was Vegas. But we did get we got a comment about our uh, 100th episode, which was nice. And so at least there's people out there that are, you know, they're paying a little bit of attention. Yeah, somewhere sometimes. <laughs> uh, OK, cool. Well, let's move it over. Let's do our recap of the past week. <clears throat> and so, James, the uh, the first thing I got, probably the biggest news of the past week was uh uh, safety Minka Fitzpatrick signing a four-year extension with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's worth $73.6 million with $36 million guaranteed. Uh, the dude's solid, no doubt about it. Uh, he's made comments that he believes he's one of the best. Uh, and, you know, of course, like everybody's already talking about, you know, who's going to be the next guy to break it now that he's, like, setting that new mark. And, you know, these uh, salaries just keep going higher and higher and higher. And, um you know, but I mean, the guy is, you know, I, I mean, I would say Watt is the best guy on their defense, but he's pretty darn close. You know, they're they're both pretty freaking solid for that squad, man. Yeah, I, you know, it was, it was funny. I kind of I think I still agree with it. Like when when Miami traded Pittsburgh or traded Minka to Pittsburgh, like one of the sports talk radio shows I listened to talked about how how Miami will win a playoff game before Pittsburgh does after the trade. Okay. And it's, it's like, 
yeah, Pittsburgh's made the playoffs, but they haven't haven't done shit. And like it, the trade didn't make sense. It didn't really make sense Pittsburgh trading for Minka Fitzpatrick because they really had to break the team down, and they're still still fighting breaking the team down. So I don't know if this was a smart signing by Pittsburgh. <clears throat> to sign them to an extension and lock them in for that much money when they, they really have to rebuild a good, a good amount. Yeah. I mean, but you got to remember they're now on a rookie quarterback pay, you know, like to pay for a rookie quarterback, which I think part of that starts the reset. And so if you can hang on to some of these pieces, I don't know. I think they, I hear what you're saying. And I think if Roethlisberger was still there, it would have been a concern because it's like, Oh man, you know, there's just not enough money to go around. But I think some of that salary stuff's going to be getting cleaned up now that they, they're on, like, that rookie quarterback pay, if that makes sense. Yeah, and but that's – and and I think he will be a, at least a serviceable uh, – I think he'll be a, eventually be a good quarterback in the league. But it's assuming that Pickens pans out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, they, he's got, you know, four or five years to – to make it worthwhile <laughs> and then they got to pay them or, or they got to find somebody else. So, uh, if not sooner, uh, okay. So keeping it moving here, I saw, uh, with Cleveland, they hired, uh, Catherine, I'm sure I'll butcher the name, but, uh, Roche, however you say that as the assistant GM and vice president for the team, uh, which now makes her the highest ranking female, in a football executive position. And so, you know, that hit the news. It was a pretty big thing for the moment when it came out. And, uh, hey, man, good for her. You know, that's nice. Is that is that currently in that position? Because I swear the Raiders um, had somebody years ago. Um, and I remember it, it, who it, it might was. be It might be currently. But they, it was just saying, oh, she's now the highest-ranking executive. Yeah, I think it's because, oh, what is her name? Um, VP's God. pretty high for these teams. Yeah, no, this, this person was... Um, what was her name? Well, you look at it. While you're looking, I'll, I'll kind of keep moving us along here until you're ready to go back. Uh, the next one I had, a little bit of a puffy thing, but uh, the Saints have uh, added a new helmet for this year. They're going to have a black helmet. Uh, not sure how many games, but they're saying at least one game will be played with their black helmet. Uh, it sounds like other teams are going to be expected to follow suit with some alternate helmet designs. And some of this is because the league uh, opened up some rules. Uh, James, I guess there was a a one-shell rule with the helmets, which has been eliminated, which I guess has given teams the ability to, like, sort of redesign some things. And so so the the Saints are the first team to do it, but they're expecting more dominoes to fall. Those helmets are are terrible. Back to... (laughs) Back to back to it was Amy Trask. She was uh, the chief executive of the Raiders. Okay. And so, anyways, but I thought I knew I was somebody was up there. But anyways, those helmets are trash. I I absolutely hate them. 
Um, the Saints need to be gold, gold <clears throat> helmets, black, uh, Florida, Florida, what's the word? Florida-y. Yeah, Florida-y. Um, not this black and gold, and I sure as fucking hell hope they don't wear those goddamn helmets with the black, all black uniforms. That's well, just that, fucking ridiculous. That's what I thought when I saw it. I was like, yeah, you know, but I kind of thought, let me see the full uniform, and then I'll be able to have a better sort of opinion on it, because the helmet alone, you know, without the rest of the uniform, it's hard to tell sometimes. But I, I hear you, you know, I, it's like, uh, you know, back in the day, teams liked if they could get anything black because it was just supposed to be like more intimidating, you know, and then it was uh, it was like the Dolphins were the opposite. They were like, well, we're wearing white at home, even though other teams typically want to wear their darker colors at home. But mm-hmm. for them, it was a heat thing. And so it was an advantage. And it was like, oh, man, you know, like be smart about it. Don't you know, don't be stupid about it. But uh, hey. Every team's got their own motivation for stuff. Yeah, this the Saints helmets look ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I hate them. Get rid of them. Don't wear them ever again. Yeah. Hey, you screwed up. Yeah. Try again next time. Yeah. Uh, all right. So going back to the Raiders, James, because yeah, you mentioned them a couple times. Uh, so I did see they 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 did a uh, one million dollar donation. Uh, to the Ovalde, uh, however you say it, uh, school district where that school shooting was a couple weeks ago. Uh, and it's intended to be spent on security purposes, uh, which I thought was really nice. It was a generous move on their part. Uh, and it's cool to see uh, a team step up and try and help in the community in some way. And, you know, a million bucks for an NFL team, you know, some people might be like, eh, you know, they could have done more, but a million's a pretty significant amount of money, man. So that's, I'm, I'm, happy to see somebody doing something like that it, it is a pretty significant amount of money and also um like by all all accounts i've ever read the raiders are the poorest nfl team oh gotcha i didn't even know that like yeah i would have like, i would have thought with them moving to, to vegas they had some dough but maybe i don't know maybe not i mean it might have <clears throat> changed recently but well maybe now that they're in vegas <laughs> you yeah. know, things are turning around for him. Who knows? Possibly, but I I had heard, I had read that that they were, or, all right, so here it is. Ten poorest owners in the NFL. If it opens up, then I can, can read it. Yeah, it's Mike da- Mark Davis of the Raiders. Okay. Mark, Mark Davis's net worth is estimated at five hundred million. Hmm. Man, um, when you, when uh, you just hear about these teams being in the billions, but you know, I guess it doesn't necessarily mean that the owners in the billions because some of these teams have however many owners. But yeah, I got gotcha. you. Number two is uh, Mike Brown of the Bengals at $925 million. <clears throat> Oh, I thought some of these, like Art Rooney, then uh, McCaskey, the owner of the Bears, then the owner of the, the Vikings. You know, I heard something with Rooney 
and uh, their family had some kind of, I, I don't know all the details, and maybe one day we'll go digging for it, but there was something about like an estate tax issue that ended up really hurting their family and the way that they were able to own that team. And um, I don't know, something something just in the back of my mind, I remember hearing that in the news years ago and might be something to go digging into to find out what happened with them. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, hey, it's it's interesting, you know, it's not always what you think it is. Yeah, well, it's funny. The interesting thing about, about the Roonies is like the Rooney family and the Mare family are like all intermingled. Okay. Because um, one of the children in the Mara family is married to one of the children in the Rooney family. And, like, they have, like, the two actresses, uh, shit. <sighs> Kate Mara and Rooney Mara. Okay. Just some big-time powerhouse families merging. Yeah. Well, sh- well, shit. I was reading up on the um, uh, on Cronky a little bit of of the Rams, and so Cronky is married to one of the heirs of um, Walmart. Yeah, you were talking a little bit about the Walmart guys last week and how they're connected yeah, to now because Denver cause and yeah, Denver. But you you want to talk even more connection? His Cronky's wife owns the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets. Okay. Wow. They Kroenke, got, yeah, they got their hands on a lot of sports teams. Kroenke owns the the arena, uh, I forget the name of the ball center that, that they play in, and, like, a bunch of other non-four major sports teams in, in Denver. So, like, they, they're – Kroenke's fucking rich as shit. But, but yeah, so it's – you got – you got them, and then the Walton, uh, the other brother, the other brother that founded Walmart's son or daughter, is in on the deal for, or granddaughter, sorry, is in on the deal for buying the Broncos, and it's like, man, they just need need to stop charging fifty bucks for a beer at a game. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey. You know, they got some big money, man. They got some big money. Um, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> that, so that's all I had news-wise. What else is going on out there that you want to add to the pile here, James? So, uh, and this is this. I, I haven't decided how this affects um, my thoughts on on them, but Colt Safety retired. Oh like, yeah, I heard something about like, the guy. Uh, he was pursuing like a, a, a ministry career or something like yeah. that. Uh, what the hell was his name? I'm looking for it now. It's it's Kali something. Uh, Willis. Ellis? Willis. Willis. Yes. Yeah, he he retired. Kari, not Kali. Kari Willis retired. Yeah, and just a couple years in the league too, right? Yeah, he's he's going into his fourth year. Okay. Hmm. I mean, and he was he was starting safety on on that defense too. So, which is yeah. And I want to say, didn't they just bring in a safety in this off season? Did they? I'm pretty sure the Colts brought in a guy. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, I'll Google it real quick.
Let's see if my... Yeah, he abruptly retired. Yeah, so he's like at the top of all the news, but I thought they had a, a trade or something to bring in a different safety. Or, well, I guess they drafted Nick Cross. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah, they drafted Nick Cross. Currently on their depth chart, they have Trevor Denbo, Julian Blackman, uh, Mari Watts, and Rodney McLeod. Yeah, yeah, no, I guess that could hurt him. That could definitely hurt him. Huh. Uh, you're thinking, you're thinking, I know, I know what you're thinking of now. Looking at their depth chart, uh, they signed Gilmore. Yeah, that was it. They, they, but yeah, he's cornerback, not, not safety. Yeah. Um, I got you. All right. So yeah, what else you got news wise? I think there was one other thing. Um, this whole, apparently, um, Tyreek Hill threw a lot of shade on Patrick Mahomes' accuracy. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm looking for, for the quote, but it was like... I forgot to... So what's he saying? Have... Two is two is more accurate. Because I don't know, man. I mean, he could be getting better, but he, you know, we talk a lot about how he throws an ugly football. Yeah, I'm looking for the quote real quick. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> I, I can't find. It. Hey, that's but, all right. If you if you get it, let me know. If not, you know, we'll move on and we can always pause and talk about it when you're ready. Yeah, but but anyways, he said he he basically basically said that Tua is like a thousand times more accurate than. Oh, jeez. Um, than than Mahomes. I don't care about the, well, the exit. Where's well, the there's your there's your fantasy quarterback then. Go and get Tua. Get him early. Him and Cheetah. Yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not finding it. It's just and okay. then Mahomes, Mahomes is like, oh, I'm surprised he said that. And it's like you know what? It's no surprise that he's he said that because because of the simple fact that he plays for Miami, he plays with Tua, he's got to build that up. Yeah, he's got to back the guy. And he's got to back that guy. And it was on some random podcast. It was on it. It needed to be said. Okay. Yeah, these guys are always doing things to pump up their teammates, even when you know it's garbage. You know, in this one, it's until we see Tua show that kind of accuracy, it's, you know, it's like it's hard to hard to believe it. But, you know, Tua's young. He's getting better every year. And so 
you know, maybe this is going to be a big breakout year for him. We don't know yet. Yeah. I, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm, he's, he's got to show us, you know, he's, he's won some games, but he's won them in such ugly fashion. Yeah. And then, and then on the Lamar trade front, it's definitely going to happen now. The trade? Yeah, I, Lamar I, I heard that they were trade. working on definitely contract negotiations finally. He's definitely going to be traded because he's, he came out and said he wants to be a Raven for life, which is code for, I don't want to upset this fan base, but I want out. Huh. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens, I guess. But I, I would expect that they're going to sign him. Uh, it's just, you know, what is it? He's representing himself, which complicates it. Yeah, he's 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 definitely out. <laughs> he's being, being <clears throat> traded. Well, they'll have to do like a three-way trade, you know? Send him to Carolina, send Jimmy G to Baltimore, and send frickin' like McCaffrey to San Francisco or something. I, I don't know, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the... The last, absolute last one was uh, Derwin James. Okay, what's going on with him? It was revealed on Tuesday this week that he had shoulder surgery at the end of the season. I didn't know about that, but man, that guy's had a lot of injuries since he's gotten into the league. Yeah, like, there's the, the whole situation behind the surgery, stuff like that is completely unknown like he did in september he he separated his shoulder and missed like seven or eight eight snaps but it didn't seem to be that serious serious he had shoulder surgery at the end of the season and it's like huh okay it just, it just caught me off guard, which worries me because if he's going going to have all these injuries, it's just like... Yeah, it's tough, man. When he plays, he's good, but he's hard to rely on. Yeah, he's very hard to rely on. Like, I mean, he's missed... What was he missed, like, two seasons of his four? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <clears throat> All right, dude, I need you to give me a mic check. I'm getting a lot of interference. Uh, on my end or your end? Uh, I, I can't tell, but, you know, I How guess about now? that's a lot better. <laughs> All right, I had, a fan, I had a fan on. I guess it was just hitting the... Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that, that was doing it. Uh, well, hopefully you don't overheat here, James. Um, all right, are you ready to move on? Yeah, I'm ready to move on. That, that was just the thing that I kept forgetting. I knew there was something that I wanted to definitely hit, but... Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's one to keep an eye on, man, especially with the way they've sort of retooled that defense this year. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can keep all those guys healthy, man, that could be a wildly dangerous team. It already is a wildly dangerous team. Well, I know, but the defense held them back last year. No, the coach held them back last year, let's be honest. Uh, I mean, the coach made some mistakes when it counted, but the defense definitely held them back. And adding Khalil Mack, you know, the, uh, you know, they, they did a lot of good things in the offseason. But, True. Um, all right, well, yeah, let's move it on here. So <clears throat> tonight we're talking about Central Michigan players in the NFL. 
You know, James, we're doing this segment for a number of reasons. Obviously, I went to Central. I'm a diehard CMU fan. Uh, both of us love football big time. And, you know, I, I guess beyond that, uh, CMU, they've pumped out some guys over the years, some of them pretty good. And it's always a good thing to highlight some of these small school guys in the league, wherever they come from. And, you know, we've got a little bit of a connection with this one. And so it's it's nice to pat them on the back a little bit. And so I thought before we get to the current crop of guys, I'd start by covering uh, some of the guys of sort of like the past decade that were notable in the league. And the first guy, uh, which, I mean, everybody knows, is Antonio Brown. I mean, he's the biggest name of them all coming out of Central. Uh, drafted in the sixth round, 2010, by the Steelers, 195th overall. Late pick. The dude turned into a seven-time Pro Bowler and a four-time All-Pro. He led the league in receiving yards twice, led the league in receptions twice, and touchdowns once. You know, not too shabby for a six-round pick. Uh, unfortunately, he lost his freaking mind, as you know, James, and he's basically out of the league at this point because of his own stupidity, which he's even saying that he doesn't think a team will sign him now. Uh, but he did play in seven games for the Bucks last year. And so maybe there's a chance his career's not quite over yet. But, you know, he was starting yeah. to get he was starting to get there, man. And it just he became his own worst enemy. Yeah. So I would say he would have a chance to play in the league again if he didn't strip naked, not strip naked, take <laughs> off his pads and walk off the field in the middle of the fucking game. Yeah, that was that was really stupid. And, and that's kind of like. I don't know how you how you term it, but maybe like the nail in the coffin or something. But, um, you know, and I mean, he had the year a couple of years ago where he was with the Patriots and like basically, I don't I don't even know. No, I'm thinking the Raiders where he had the thing with his feet and it just and then they were forced to trade him. And it was like, you know, everybody was pumped up to see him with the Raiders. And then he just like totally man the guy wigged out man it sucks because he was like freaking rock solid for so long <laughs> sorry laughing. i'm laughing hysterically at it because <sighs> because you mentioned the raiders and so he found out that his helmet wasn't available to be used anymore so he did a shitty ass paint job on oh his yeah old Steelers helmet to yeah. try to make it a raiders helmet to practice in <laughs> But yeah, then he he was he he basically he he went off the deep end with the Raiders and then then ended up on the Patriots who cut him like yep. two days after they signed him because like all sorts of shit came out about him and yeah he and played then, like one or two games or something and had a couple catches from Brady and you know and then that he, was kind of why Brady wanted to bring him to Tampa Bay and you know and it was the same thing like the, he had some moments in Tampa Bay like when they made that Super Bowl run. He, he actually had some impact there. And then the dude just lost his fucking mind again, man. It just, it sucks. Did he play in any games for, for no one? Like, I seriously don't remember that. I just remember it in the practice. I'm pretty sure he played in at least one game because I, I, I'm almost confident. I remember he had a couple catches and it was like, oh man, here we go. Him and Brady. And then, and then he wigged out like right after that, it was short lived. But yeah, you're checking it. Okay, so he was signed the same day he was released from 
from the Raiders. Okay. So he was signed on September 7th and then released before week two. So he played in one game for for the Patriots and had four receptions. <laughs> I'm showing uh, I'm showing he had, and this is I don't know if this is a a, a reputable site here. Statmuse.com is saying he had 43 catches for 513 yards and four TDs in seven games while he was with the Patriots. Not even close. Yeah, that that seems high from what I I vaguely remember. Let me see if well, I can he was, find another. He start. was re- he re- was released before week two, so there's no way he played in that many games for the Patriots. He was signed on September seventh, two thousand nineteen, and he was released on. Uh, he, he made his debut debut in week two on September twentieth. He was released. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's such a mess. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, he the dude lost his mind. Um, and then on September 22nd, he retired from football. Yeah, yeah, and so, changed his mind four days later. Yeah, no, it 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 uh, it was wild, but uh, you and know, one heck of, again. one heck of a run. Uh, he definitely helped put Central on the map. And so I, I thought it'd be good to start with him. Uh, but I'll flip it to the other side of the spectrum in the positive way, uh, which was left tackle Joe Staley. And so he doesn't get nearly the amount of attention as Antonio Brown does. But he had a, I would say, close to, you know, equally impressive NFL career. And so Joe Staley was drafted in the first round back in 2007 by the 49ers he was was high high pick he was he was picked 28th overall and nobody expected that when he came out of central I mean everybody was like oh my god you know who is this guy and uh he turned out to be a six-time pro bowler he played through the 2019 season and you know towards the end of his career he had some injury things pop up but I mean this guy was about as steady as they get at left tackle for the entire time he was with the 49ers. And, um, you know, he, he just had one heck of a run, man. I, I love Joe Staley. Uh, that guy did it right, man. And he was a very respectful player. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, you know, another big-name guy that came out, but he, uh, you know, was not on the map quite like Antonio Brown was. Yeah. You had to be a real football fan to know him because he was an offensive lineman. Uh, okay, so then looking at some other guys, um, you know, and these aren't in any particular order, but there's a few that I wanted to mention. Uh, one of them people might remember from the fantasy football standpoint, which was running back Thomas Rawls. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually originally a U of M running back, transferred to Central Michigan. He ended up being undrafted but signed by the Seahawks in 2015. He had a short career. He only played until like, uh, I think 2018 was his last season. But when he got a chance to start in 2015, because there were some injuries on the team, he was electric. The dude averaged 5.6 yards per carry and led the league in yards per carry that season. 
but the problem for him was his entire four-year career, the guy kept getting hurt. And so mm-hmm. when he was on the field, he could get it done. He just couldn't stay on the field. And uh, it was that one year, man, he, uh, he turned into be like a sweet fantasy football pickup, but it was just a flash in the pan, unfortunately. Well, not only that, not only that, he has he holds the record, the Seahawks record for most rushing yards in a postseason game. I'm sorry, most yards in a postseason game, which happened against the, the Lions. I'm glad you brought that up, man. 161 <laughs> yards. So, I mean, he had he had a solid season or two. Um, kind of bounced around after like, you know, 15 through 17 with the Seahawks and never really never really played much after that. Like he was on yeah. the Bengals, but released. Yeah. The, maybe he played a little bit for them. Yeah. He, he never got back to form after 15, you know, yeah. it was a bummer, but he did look great when, uh, when he was playing, it just, uh, well, see, but, apart but that was 16. That was 2016 season that he, he set the record against the, the playoff Lions. one. Well, yeah. yeah and, and so 15 was the big year. 16, I think he missed a lot of the year, but he must have been healthy for that playoff run. Oh, he fractured his leg in 16. Okay. In week two, that's yeah. right. So then, yeah, he, he got healthy when they needed him. He came back on, came back in December. Had 349 rushing yards that season, three touchdowns, huh? Yeah, yeah. But he had 161 yards in, in the one playoff play. game, man. That's yeah, that's where it's at. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I uh, I forgot about that, but that's that's good that he had that record for that playoff game. Um, another guy, James, that uh, he actually had a pretty decently long career, and hypothetically, he could still get a look as a free agent is uh, safety Jalil Jalil Adai. He was undrafted. Uh, signed by the Chargers back in 2013. His career was mostly with the Chargers, but he also had a stint with the Texans and I think just one season with the Colts. Uh, But he had um, four solid seasons as a starter, 453 career tackles, 343 solo tackles. Um, You know, it seems like, he could still get a shake here, but he's just sitting out there on the free agent market right now. Yeah, I don't have much breakdown of of him. I kind of barely, I vaguely even remember him. Yeah, to be honest, I totally forgot he was even from Central until I I did the assignment, and I was like, holy cow, that's right, this guy's been floating around the league for, you know, six, seven years, eight years, nine years now. (laughs) Pretty Mm -hmm. pretty good little run, man. Yeah, Uh, it is. Uh, but so, yeah, so I got two more guys I want to hit before we get to the current players. Uh, the next one, man, I love this guy, was uh, linebacker Frank Zombo. He mm-hmm. was undrafted by the Packers in 2010, about as blue-collar of a linebacker as you can get. This guy was just like the consummate hard worker, didn't have like that top-tier physical ability, uh, but like he was always pushing himself to the limit he spent three seasons with the Packers six seasons with the Chiefs mostly a backup and special teams player uh, but he did start 36 games over the course of his career and I think it just goes to show that um, 
if you're willing to do the dirty work, you can have some staying power in this league because most linebackers don't last that long if they're not starting linebackers because mm-hmm. at some point you either don't want to play special teams or you're not good enough to even play special teams anymore. Uh, but Zombo did whatever they asked, man, and uh, turned it into a nice little career. Yeah, I mean, just a nice little career. You, what, 50, I'm sorry, 146 tackles, 12 and a half sacks. That's not bad for not necessarily being a starter or top, top tier guy. Uh, five, five interceptions, I'm sorry, one interception, four pass the flex, five forced fumbles. Yeah, and I mean, he just was a nine-year depth guy. You know, it's mm-hmm. like who hangs into the who hangs out like sort of uh, you know below first string like that for nine years. It's like either you're there or they flush you out. It seems like you know. Yeah, and on top of that, he was um, he started in the Super Bowl and and recorded a sack in the Super Bowl. Yeah, man, Zombo. And, you know, and I don't, I don't know, I might have told you this once or twice before, James, but uh, <clears throat> one of my old co-workers was neighbors with his family. And, um, uh, you know, this is an old timer, you know, and so he talked about Frank as like a kid and stuff and uh, just said that the guy was like just a tremendous stand-up person, you know, just like one of those like really legit, good ethic, hardworking guys. And uh, so just, you know, happy to see him. Have a nice little nine-year run, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my next guy, uh, man, this guy really, you know, we're going back a little bit further, but I'm doing it because he stayed in the league until fairly recently, was uh, defensive tackle Colin Jenkins. And this was another guy undrafted, picked up by the Packers, but it was all the way back in 2003. Uh, by far and away, the most under-the-radar Chippewa to be in the NFL, he played through the 2016 season, James, spent time with the Packers, the Eagles, the Giants, and Washington, uh, started 137 games, had 49 sacks. I mean, the dude was actually a really solid uh, inside defensive lineman contributing at pretty much every stop he had, man. I mean, really, the it, it kind of blows my mind that you don't hear people talk more about him because a 13-year career like that as an interior defensive lineman, that's hard to pull off, man. Those guys take a freaking beating. Yeah, I mean, and, and he took he kind of took a beating because his and what was it? Didn't didn't he like tear like play like two games one year because he tore his pectoral muscle? Oh man, that sounds familiar. Um, I'd have to look that up, but it it sounds it's it's ringing a bell. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think that's that's what I remember. But but I mean, you know, he he kind of tailed off towards the end. Um, he had what like in 2011 with with the Eagles, he had uh, five and a half five and a half sacks, seven tackles for a loss, kind of, and then he was released. Yeah, you know, bum me out because for both him and Zombo. I kept thinking, geez, why couldn't the Lions have tried getting these guys? You know, they're mm-hmm. right in the backyard. <laughs> but yeah. it happens, man. What can you do? So, um, all right. Well, here, let's uh, let's switch it over. Let's talk about uh, the current group of guys in the NFL. And um, 
What I did with my notes, James, and we can bounce around, do it any way you want. I did it by the uh, the most tenured guy, basically. So I started with Nick Ballore. He was undrafted, signed by the Jets back in 2011. And I worked my way to the current people to enter the league. And so, um, you know, that way we could talk a little bit about like the four guys that just joined this club. Uh, you know, maybe at the end here, I don't know if that made sense, but we can jump around if you got your notes different, whatever works, you know, makes sense. I can, I can roll with the flow. All right. So, um, yeah. So linebacker, Nick Ballore, another amazing linebacker to come out of central, uh, from central terms. Anyhow, uh, he has been in the league for over a decade and probably nobody other than us even knows this guy's name. But his versatility has been one of the reasons he's had staying power in the league. Uh, The early part of his career was mostly with the Jets. Then he moved on, did a couple years with the 49ers, had some time with the Lions. uh, And he was playing with the Seahawks up through last season. I believe he's still signed and he's expected to be, uh, basically he's projected to be a backup inside linebacker. uh, But he also plays special teams. And... Going back to his time with the Lions, he started playing fullback. Mm-hmm. And it's that versatility that's really given him the ability to keep latching onto rosters. Especially, it might sound silly, but that fullback work, uh, I think, has been crucial for him because a lot of teams don't even roll with a fullback anymore. And so if you're willing to do a little bit of linebacker play, a little bit of special teams play, oh, and you'll pinch hit at fullback, it's like you're kind of like making yourself – you know, a little a little more desirable if you're not one of those starting caliber guys. And he has a touchdown reception. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it's good to point that out. Yeah, so it's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, freaking Nick Ballore, man. So I'm I'm just really impressed with the dude's staying power. Yeah, he had, uh, I guess he played fullback with, uh, or, yeah, he's still, play, still playing fullback up there in Seattle. Oh, yeah. Um, All right, so then the next guy, there's actually quite a bit of gap between uh, Belor and the next guy, which is quarterback Cooper Rush. Whoa, 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 whoa. You talked about Joe Staley. Yeah. You talked about Joe Idai, who's a free agent. You skipped Eric Fisher. Well, you know, and I guess James... I have him all the way at the bottom of the list because I'm still listing him as a free agent. So, but all right, yeah, okay. let's talk about Eric Fisher because uh, he was a huge, a huge uh, Central Michigan guy. Uh, why don't yeah, you give me, why don't you give me your rundown on him, man? Well, at his peak and like even even now, he's still top one of the top tier offensive tackles in the league. Um, he played for. Uh, Kansas I mean, City most Kansas dude, City mostly. He was the put, number put one overall pick, man. It, I was, I was oh, getting sorry. there. Yeah. <laughs> I um, don't mean I don't mean to take it take your thunder. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So so he he was the number one overall pick. I mean the downside to him and probably what's short really shortening his career because he's been in the league for what like nine years. He's going into this, be his tenth year, which which is not unheard of for offensive linemen to play you know, 12, 15 years, but he had, uh, 
towards Achilles towards last Achilles. year I in Kansas City. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't remember. I was trying. I was trying to trying to look and remember if it was his ACL or his Achilles that he tore. And then, like, I mean, he still he was such a good, um, such a good offensive tackle that Indianapolis signed him up coming off the the Achilles for uh, what was it ten million a one year ten million dollar contract for him. Yeah, and, and a lot of people weren't even expecting him to play this past year, and he got out on the field, not mm-hmm. his finest work, but the fact that he was able to even play, uh, I think that was a pretty good sign. It's just a matter, can he get even more healthy? Uh, and, and I think maybe that's why he's still sitting as a free agent right now, as teams are wondering, well, hey, you played mm-hmm. the, the whole year on it, and it was kind of dicey, you know, maybe it's not getting better, and... If that's the best he is, they're probably looking at other options now, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's unfortunate that he should have should have retired after winning the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> just go out on top and call it a career. You know, he came back, uh, tore his Achilles. Oh no, they tore he tore his Achilles the, the year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, like the week before the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, and he he missed that game, but uh, but he was a two-time Pro Bowler, and a lot of people gave him some shit for being the number one overall pick, uh, and you know they were trying to label him as a bust because you might remember James the one year with Alex Smith, they were driving the field, and they had to score, uh, and I I want to say they did score but he got called for holding and it came back and they ended mm-hmm. up losing the game. And like so many people hated him, man. Uh, but when you look at his draft class, it was actually uh, like just one of those weird years where like there weren't a ton of studs, at least at the time that anybody could find. And uh, Andy Reed believed in him, man. And he was good enough. He got another contract. And I think it, he was one of those guys that like in time, he showed, yeah, man, he is definitely starting caliber left tackle. He was a franchise left tackle up until the Achilles thing happened. And, you know, now we'll see what happens. I uh, I was telling you a couple weeks ago, I'd like to see the Lions sign him just to be sort of, uh, you know, some depth on that line in case somebody goes down. You know you got a guy with, like, some good veteran reps at least, you know. You know, his draft class is better than people give it credit for. Well, it might be now. I know, like those first few years, it was. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna read you some of the undrafted players from that that year: C.J. Anderson, A.J. Boyer, Adam Thielen, Jack Doyle, all Pro Bowlers. Yep. You had Ryan Jensen as sixth round. Latavius Murray was a sixth round pick. Micah Hyde was a fifth round pick. Cal Juszczyk was a fourth rounder. Bakhtiari was a fourth-rounder. There's some... Keenan Allen was a third-rounder. Yeah, Keenan Allen, he's he's turned out to be a great wide receiver. Teron Armstead was a third-rounder. Larry Warford was a third-rounder. I'm just... I'm going to go offensive tackles... Shit, Zach Ertz was a second rounder. Cordero Patterson, Hopkins was in that draft. 
Yeah, I, I think I think the big question was back then when you were the Chiefs and you needed help on the offensive line. It was uh, who were you going to pick over him, and if you weren't going to go offensive lineman, who looked like they were worthy of being a number one pick. And so it was one of those weird things where Andy Reid felt very conv- convicted about drafting mm-hmm. him, and a lot of people questioned it. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see, like, there, I can see questioning it. I, I think, I think there's people just like glancing at it, and from my memory going back that far, um, there were there were people that probably I would have picked over him, but I mean, it's good. Good pick there, like shit. He's another one of those guys, man. He's had staying power. You know, I mean, you, I mean, you just, you know, I try to look at, you know, who was around him in the first round. Mm-hmm. Luke Jokel, at offensive line, he didn't, he didn't really turn out to be that great. Lane Johnson, he, he had a, a solid career, but he had some injury stuff. Jonathan Cooper, his, his time was dicey, and man, he got like pumped up big time. Um, Chance Warmack, same thing. He got a ton of ton of hype, but you know those those two guys were guards. Fluker, his career was up and down. Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, but uh, no. Thank you for pumping the brakes and and hitting Eric Fisher. Um, let's go back and do a little Cooper Rush action. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, so Cooper Rush was undrafted back in 2017 by the Dallas Cowboys. And so, you know, there was a gap between, you know, like you see there was a handful of years where there wasn't really any fresh blood from Central, at least not fresh blood that had an impact and or is still there today. And so, uh, but Cooper Rush... He has been fighting with guys like Ben DiNucci and Will Greer these last few years for the backup role in Dallas. Uh, I'll tell you this about the guy. When he was at Central, he was a bomber, dude. He puts a ton of air under the ball, and I love seeing that because not enough quarterbacks, whether it's in college or the NFL, really put good air under the ball. You see a lot of these guys, you know, we talk about it with Stafford all the time, They just try to fucking laser it in there. And, you know, that's good, too, to have great arm strength. But, you know, you you lose some of your advantage as a wide receiver if you don't even get a chance to jump up and fight for the ball. And so, um, anyhow, Cooper Rush beat out Ben DiNucci. He did get one start last year for the Cowboys, uh, appeared in five games, and actually looked pretty good. He had a 105.1 quarterback rating. you know, but obviously he's going to be like that career backup trajectory, uh, mm-hmm. at least long as Dak is there, uh, or you know until maybe somebody gives him a chance to, who the heck knows, maybe be a little bit of like a Davis Mills somewhere. But uh, I think he's more of that career backup uh, type role. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's more of a career backup. You look look at it like yeah, he hasn't only been with Dallas, but he he did have a slight small few day stint with uh the new york giants 24 day stint there uh where where he was like assigned off waivers and then waived and put on the practice squad for 24 days and released because released from them and re-signed with with the cowboys 
you know, I kind of kind of rip them like, oh, who who are they going to put out there instead of instead of Dak Cooper Rush? But but you know, for starting one game, playing in five games, having a sixty two percent completion percentage, four hundred and twenty five yards, um, three touchdowns and one interception. That's that's respectable, man. That's respectable. It's very, very respectable. Yeah, he only has 50 attempts, but still, 50 attempts, 400 yards, that's four and a half yards, four and a half yards per attempt. I I think he's acquitted himself well for a backup. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, most of the time, the backups are upside down with touchdowns and interceptions. Man, he's three to one. I know it's small sample size, but good for him, man. Uh, okay, so then my next guy here, James, I've got tight end Tyler Conklin. He was drafted in the fifth round back in 2018 by the Minnesota Vikings, uh, pick number 157 overall. When he came out of Central, uh, he was basically like all receiver at tight end. And it has taken a few years for him to develop his skills as a blocker, uh, but Looking back just a few years ago, Minnesota liked him enough that they were comfortable letting Kyle Rudolph walk. Uh, and that was with, you know, what was the other guy? They had Irv Smith, who was, like, always injured. Uh, mm-hmm. They they liked Conklin, man. I heard a lot of good stuff. Cousins had good rapport with him. Uh, and then this past year, he had a stretch as a uh, a pretty legit starting tight end for Minnesota. 593 reception yards. He, in the offseason now, they let him go. He signed with the Jets, uh, which is kind of a bummer because he's going to be their tight end, too, behind C.J. Uzoma, who the Jets also signed. Uh, But I think it it depends on what the game script is. There's a chance maybe it's like a 1A, a 1B situation because Conklin, really good receiving tight end. But Uzoma's not bad at catching the ball either. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out, I guess. So I was I was looking at it because um, with, with Conklin and Uzoma, do you know actually Conklin is actually utilized more in Minnesota than Uzoma was in, in Cincinnati? Yeah, see, I guess year? I was wondering how that was because didn't Uzoma get hurt for a while? That's what I was I was trying to figure out because like the list I had and I wanted to go back to another list so no because Uzoma played in sixteen games Conklin played in seventeen games okay um so Uzoma had last season oh maybe I'm thinking the year before but you know Uzoma's hit he had some good chemistry with Burrow which was a surprise they let him go too you know yeah it was it was the year before so okay. he, he he had about Uzoma had about three catches per game um. And Conklin had about four catches per game. Yeah, last, I mean, four, last four, year. Four a game is a tight end, man. You're you're getting it done. Yeah, so I. Think, I mean, you're not Gronk level, but who is? <laughs> I think actually, if I, if I were to, if I were to go through go through it, yeah, Uzoma has played. Uzoma's played in seventy nine games. Conklin's played in in sixty four games. They have a about the same average per game. Actually, Conklin's more. Conklin has 9.9 yards per game, receiving where Uzoma has 9.8. Yeah, I mean, I would like to look more at recent because the trajectory for Conklin has been more recent, if that makes sense. 
you know? Yeah, so so last 2020, um, you have to discount Uzoma's numbers because he only played in two games. Yeah. But Conklin had 10.2 yards per game in 2020, 9.7 in 2021. Um, it was actually his rookie season where he averaged the most per game. But on he a had, smaller sample. No, he played in 16 games his rookie season. He had. I'm, I'm talking on on a smaller amount of receptions. Yeah, but he still had 15 and a half yards per game. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No. 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 Hey, man. I'm I'm not trying to discount the guy. I'm just you know oh, I'm no. saying that I'm saying that 15 he, and a half yards per per reception. That's I, you know bad. that's not yeah, yards per game. Yeah. I guess I guess what I'm saying is that he got more targets as his career's gone on. It's not like he came out of the gate. Mm-hmm getting a lot of looks it's it's really mostly this past year where he was like hey i can do this i can carry this load yeah and i mean he has like a 70 ish percent um reception rate yeah i like i like the dude last a lot, year man. i like him a lot so i'm just what <laughs> i'm trying to say like here yeah. is i think conklin's going to be the number one in, with the jets not who's on okay i and hey i hope he wins that job i mean it's uh It'd be cool, you know. It'd be good, and then you know they just need Wilson to be a, a decent quarterback to make it worth it. Uh, okay, so then my next guy here, James. We're going to 2019. We got cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting, one of my favorite players from Central. He was drafted in the second round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, pick number 39 overall. Uh, he is easily the top dog of the CMU players that are active right now. And I say that because we know Fisher's sitting in free agency. Um, during the Buccaneers' Super Bowl run, he had a pick in three straight playoff games leading up to the Super Bowl. And then in the Super Bowl itself, he had a clutch pass defense. Uh, last year was rocky. He had a fair amount of injuries. Uh, but I'm hearing they're pumped for him to be coming back this year and they think he's healthy, he's ready to roll. Uh, technically on the depth chart, he's their CB2, and he also plays a little bit of nickel if they need him there. Uh, but the dude has developed nicely uh, as a cornerback in this league, man. Yeah, so during the Super Bowl run for Tampa Bay, he kind of came out of nowhere. He was having an ohum season and just lit it up in the fucking playoffs, which, I mean, that's what you need. In 2019, he had... Three total in 16 games in the regular season, he had three total total interceptions. Jump forward to the playoffs, and he yeah. had doubled it up. He had freaking three interceptions in three straight games. Not too shabby, man. Getting hot when you need them. So that actually, those three total. Yeah, that yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> A second guess, Ant. No, um, you're all good. And then last year, last year he had had the season. He still played in the playoff game after last season. I'm sorry, it was 2020. I my my eyes were screwed up. You're fine. So you're totally in 20, fine. In 2020, he had one interception. And then in the playoffs, he fucking had three. Three in three games or whatever it was. Gotcha. Three interceptions. Three interceptions in the playoffs. Yeah. So he he tripled his playoff for his interception rate in the in the playoffs. 
Yeah, but he's young. He's, uh, I think he's been developing nicely. And um, I think the Tampa Bay secondary in general is on the younger side with a lot of potential. And, um, you know, they got, um, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. He's, he's been looking good. Um, they just signed, um, uh, who was their, their CB1? They just gave him a contract that was looking like he was going to be out. But with Brady coming oh. back, they signed the guy. What was it, Carlton Davis maybe? Um, yeah, I think that, that sounds right. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I like that team, man. I, uh, I think that's cool. Um, the next guy from Central is another cornerback. Uh, not, not doing as hot, but we'll talk about him. It's uh, Xavier Crawford. He was also from the 2019 draft class, uh, picked in the sixth round by Houston, uh, picked number 195 overall. He has bounced between Houston, Miami, and Chicago. They're projecting him to be a third-string nickelback for the Jaguars this year. Uh, He's been mostly special teams thus far, and he's one of these guys where, hey, man, fingers crossed, he hangs onto a spot because I think he's on the fringe of getting bounced out, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't have much on him. Like, I kind of a ho-hum career where he just bounces around he's, and he's hanging on for special teams. But eventually, you're right, he's going to probably get bounced. Yeah, you got to be able to do a little bit more than just special teams, you know? Like, after a couple of years of that, they'll find somebody younger, take the beating or whatever. And uh, But I'm hoping hoping something works out for the guy, you know, maybe he gets a little bit better work in that secondary and he can latch on as a backup somewhere, but um, it's all good, man. Hey, you know, we, we all try and sometimes it doesn't work out, but he made it to the NFL. So that's a success on its own and he was drafted. So good for him. Uh, the next guy I got is running back Jonathan Ward, undrafted free agent signing by the Cardinals in 2020. Uh, He's listed as their fifth string running back going into this year, but I think he's actually higher than that on the depth chart uh, because he's played in 27 games in two years. He doesn't have a lot of stats in those games, not a lot of carries, not a lot of receptions, uh, but the fact that they keep getting him on the field I think shows that they trust him at least to to some degree, whether it's pass blocking or whatever. Um, you know, but it's a running back. Typically, you know, they got a short shelf life. Um, and then, you know, Hey, they let, they let Edmonds go this past year. They still got James Conner, who's injury prone. You know, I think there's some opportunity there for Ward. I'm not saying he's going to light the the world on fire, but I think he's, um, I think he's going to be securely in their running back depth for the season, at least. So, you know, I tried to find him on the Cardinals' uh, depth chart. Oh, don't tell me he's not on it right now. He's not even listed. What? What? He's not He's not even listed. Yeah, he's on the Cardinals, but he's not even fucking listed. No, I'm not worried about that. He'll be, he'll be on the team. Let me see if I can find their depth chart. He's going to be fine. James Conner, we know, is the one. That's right. They brought in Daryl Williams. He'll be the two. They got Eno Benjamin. Uh, yeah, maybe he is the four on that team. You know, I think he's probably fighting with Eno Benjamin. 
but probably the number four. Uh, yeah, so I mean, he's so he's slipping. He's he's slipping hard. Like I mean, okay. not not to knock him. Like it's just like no, we I got was, we got to call this. We got to call spade a spade, man. I was I was looking for it and looking for it, and I was like, shit, he's not even on the step chart anymore. Yeah, I think I fixated on that 27 games. You know, that's a lot in two years for a guy that's undrafted, but he's he's got almost no stats, and so it's like they're they're getting him out there, but it's just for little bits and pieces here and there. So, yeah. Um, but that's okay. Let's so let's James. Let's go to this year. We got a handful of guys that are worth talking about this year. Um, the 2022 NFL Draft. The first guy picked was offensive guard Luke Gudecki. He was picked in the second round by the Buccaneers, pick number 57 overall. Uh, I'm pumped up for this guy. I think he landed in a perfect spot. He played right tackle at Central, but projects better as a guard in the NFL. With some of the changes that the Bucks had this year in the offseason, uh, it looks like he's going to get a chance to start at guard immediately. And I think with Brady still being there, I just, I like it, dude. I think that uh, Brady's going to help whip him into shape. Uh, I think physically the talent's there. You know, this could be one of those guys that comes out of the gate and has like a really rock-solid rookie year for a guard. Yeah, so going into the draft, I thought Gadecki would be a first-round pick. I think he's, he'll be, he'll be... Once he cracks the starting lineup, which we'll see if he can do that this year, once he cracks the starting lineup, he'll be he'll be a mainstay on any on that offensive line. Um, maybe you have Shaq Mason and Tristan Wirfs. You have put Kadeki on, on the left guard. I mean, that's Ryan Jensen. I mean, that's a solid four out of five, four out of your five offensive offensive linemen. Yeah, and so. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, hey, I mean, Central they had they had two studs on the offensive line this year that got drafted, and so the next one is offensive tackle Bernard Raymond. Uh, he was picked in the third round by the Colts, pick number seventy-seven overall. And going into the draft, a lot of the analysts actually had these guys flipped. They thought Raymond was going to go first, and then Gadecki would go a round or two later. Um, you know, I think the the teams they got the better evaluation on these guys, they know better. But, you know, with Raymond, some of it is the risk of he is a transfer. I mean, he's, um, you know, like a foreign exchange student or whatever. He's from Austria. He came to Central as a tight end, converted to left tackle, gained a ton of weight to fit that position, uh, had tremendous success at Central. And, you know, his trajectory has been impressive, but he's only been in the game for a few years, which I think teams felt was a little bit risky. Uh, the Colts themselves, they went out and signed a guy uh, to have a veteran presence to potentially start at left tackle until they feel like Raymond's ready to move into that role. But he is a natural left tackle. I don't know if they're going to move him somewhere else on that line. Um, and James, I don't know, man. Everything I've read on this guy, I, I get the feeling he's going to be a franchise left tackle. It mm-hmm. just may not be starting this year or until yeah. later in the year. Yeah. And when, when the Colts drafted him, I thought that was, that was my moment where I was like, Oh shit. That means Eric Fisher is probably not going to be signed. Like, yep. Yeah. Central guy replacing a central guy, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's that that was my reaction to that. I think I think you saw you're right there are are those cons- slight concerns there that he probably can overcome. It's just we have to see him do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, hey, you know, it, I guess you look at it and you say he was good enough to beat out Gadecki at Central. Mm-hmm. And, and Gadecki went in the second round. So, you know, he's pretty darn good, man. Um, <laughs> all right, keeping it moving here. The next guy I got, James, is defensive end Troy Hairston. He was undrafted, signed by Houston. Uh, he's projected to just be later on that depth chart. Right now they got him as a fifth-string defensive end. Uh, Houston, kind of thin at defensive end ever since J.J. Watt left pretty much. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of an outside chance that maybe this guy latches on for a little while. If he can do a few things, you know, he's going to have to make some bucks at special teams and whatever they ask him to do. Uh, but to be to be honest... I really, um, I don't know as much about him as the other guys and have like any kind of inside skinny to say definitively he's going to make that roster. A lot of times these undrafted guys, they don't make the roster, unfortunately. All right. So I tried to do a dive into him and I came up blank. Okay. I came up completely blank. There's no, no projected draft analysis there's nothing on him and he's a bit small for a defensive end man he's 511 that's a little bit short 245 you know it's uh it's really more of like linebacker size to be honest like an inside Mm -hmm. linebacker but you know they got him at defensive end you know i'm seeing special teams at best yeah if that and maybe I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're looking at him as an outside linebacker, and he just got drafted or got signed as a defensive end. I don't know. You know, maybe it's one of those situations, like uh, however their scheme works. But um, all right, the last guy I got, James. He's not technically the last guy I got, but he's the last guy in this category. Is uh, wide receiver Khalil. Uh, holy cow! I just. Uh, Is, uh, Khalil what, Pimpleton. Thank you. Wide receiver Khalil Pimpleton. I just messed up my page here. Uh, and, uh, man, he's he was undrafted, picked up by the Lions. He is right now projected to be our four-string slot wide receiver, which is very deceiving. Um, he's a little, just a, a skinny little burner kind of guy. And uh, some of the people that I've read that are talking about him, they actually feel pretty good that he's going to make that squad given the issues at wide receiver. You know, we Mm -hmm. don't really have a true number one, at least not until Jameson Williams gets himself established, but you know, shark. And then you got, um, Amon Ross St. Brown. After that, you almost have a collection of number fours is what it is. And I'm of the opinion, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm of the opinion that our collection of fours are going to beat this guy out and he'll end up on the practice squad. Uh, And hopefully he stays on the practice squad and maybe gets time to develop and maybe gets a look next year or whatever else the case may be. But, you know, you're talking like Quintez Cephas and guys like that that have actually shown some potential are sitting in that like wide receiver four collection for the Lions. 
I just don't see how he's going to beat those guys out, unfortunately. So, when I, when I looked at him, I think they, they signed him to be a kick returner. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's got some potential there. Yep. I'm I glad think, you I mentioned think, that. I think that's, that's where he, he has his potential is, is as a returner. Um, especially, as, especially the more, at the beginning of the season with Jamison Williams out, you don't want Khalif Raymond or St. Brown return, doing kick punt returns or, yeah, whoever the hell the kick returner is. I, I'm not even going to try to yeah. pronounce pronounce his name so you put him in there as either a punt returner or kick returner i think he has has some upside there if that well i'm glad to hear that and uh yeah i forgot about the uh the special teams aspect with him returning kicks and punts so that's good to point out um the last guy i had on my list james which for years i would say we've lived a little bit vicariously through him was defensive end JJ Watt not not drafted out of Central Michigan because he transferred he transferred from Central Michigan to Wisconsin uh this was a classic Brian Kelly fuck up uh for Central Michigan you know the old Notre Dame Brian Kelly the guy that just like shit on him on his way out the door but um J.J. Watt was at Central. He was a tight end. Brian Kelly wanted him to convert to offensive line. He said no. Brian Kelly was apparently a dick about it. And so J.J. Watt said, forget you, transferred to Wisconsin. And in the transfer, whatever interaction he had with that coaching staff, they told him, hey, man, you'd be perfect on the defensive line. He converted, and the rest is history. So F you, Brian Kelly. And, uh, you know, I'll take a little bit of claim to J.J. Wappy in a Chippewa, even though he got drafted out of Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm looking at you like, so, what's James going to say here? <laughs> so a little pushback on it being Brian Kelly because it wasn't Brian Kelly. Mm. It wasn't I'm almost Brian positive. Kelly. It's got to be the you know, timing. Brian, of- Kelly was, uh, Brian Kelly was the coach. But it wasn't Brian Kelly. Okay. Read you. Watts' coaches, led by Butch Jones, suggested that he moved to offensive tackle. And Butch Jones was after Brian Kelly. Butch Jones took over for Brian Kelly because you, you got to remember. Yeah. So Brian Kelly left um, Fresno State, went to Central. Or you, Butch uh, Jones uh, got Grand Valley State. Yeah, yeah. Grand Valley State. Sorry. Ferris State, not Grand Valley State. Okay. Whatever. No, that's no. where he played. No, yeah, I was right. I was right. I was right. So, went to... Sa- no, Ferris State. Wait no, he was Grand Valley State, man. He won a couple championships with him. Okay, then... And so, my memory's a little bit off on it then. Because, like, I thought... Butch Jones... Followed Brian Kelly the central from yeah it fire up chips exclusive JJ Watt sets record straight ah. 
know. Oh, all right. So this one's saying that Watt decommitted when Brian Kelly left for Cincinnati. So, yeah, maybe it was Butch Jones tried switching him. Yeah, so so he left for Cincinnati after the 2006 season. And then... Oh, boy, I'm going to have to change my tune if this is all legit because I always heard it differently. So he was... A f- he played... Brian Kelly was not at Central Michigan while J.J. Watt was there. Because J.J. Watt played at Central tight end his freshman year, 2007. Brian Kelly was already coached at Cincinnati in 2007. Yeah, I'm going to have to dig deeper in this, James. Hmm. I like this article. J.J. Watt still has a CMU decal decal on his car to this day out of respect for CMU. Uh, Holy cow, they're showing a picture of him, man. He looked so skinny when he was on Central. Yeah. I was asked to move to offensive tackle. By who? Oh, that's right, Bush Jones. And no, I was never approached to play defensive end by CMU. Meh, hey, maybe it was Butch Jones. And it was the decommitment that caused him to transfer. Oh, man, I'm going to have to keep looking at it, James. Yeah, I still so think played, Brian Kelly's a douchebag. I still think <laughs> Brian Kelly's a douchebag, but... Yeah. But he played in 2007, Butch, his freshman yeah, this, year. Yeah, this is saying, yeah, this is talking about his interactions with Butch Jones. 2007, his his um, freshman year, Butch Jones was the head coach for Central Michigan. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to keep digging into it, but that's all right. He was that's the right. head coach for, for Central from 2007 to 2009. Yep. Okay. So I partially was remembering correctly. So Brian Kelly left left Grand Valley, went to Central. Yep. The his assistant coach became interim coach at Grand Valley. Lost the job at Grand Valley. Didn't get the job over Butch Jones. Butch Jones got the job over him. Then that assistant coach followed Brian Kelly to Central Michigan. Brian Kelly left Central Michigan, went to Cincinnati. <laughs> The assistant coach oh, was, yeah. didn't get the job. Butch Jones got the job. Assistant coach went to Cincinnati with, and I forget the, the assistant coach's name, went to Cincinnati with Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly left Cincinnati to go to Notre Dame. Butch Jones got the job over that assistant coach again at Cincinnati. Yep, yep, I remember that, yeah. I actually liked Butch Jones, but uh, either way, now now I'm maybe I'm not liking him as much, but... Brian Kelly, still a shitbag, has a ton of dirt going on with him. I guess I'll have to uh, correct my tune as it relates to J.J. Watt, but still, unfortunately, a missed opportunity for the Chippewas, man. And the coach, the coach's name, it was um, Jeff Quinn. Okay. 
Gotcha. All right, so James, were there any other guys that I missed here from the Central Michigan club, so to speak? Honestly, you know, not not really. Like, there's there's some depends on how how far back the, you want to dive. That like, yeah, never these are made the it, notable really, ones. Yeah, never really made an impact. Yeah, no, I think we covered it pretty well, man. And hopefully, more will keep jumping in the league, and we can update this list. And who knows? Maybe Antonio Brown will come back. Jalil Dial gets signed by somebody. Eric Fisher gets signed by somebody. We'll have a nice little nice little crew there in the league, man. Uh, but okay, so switching it over, talking about our question of the week, James. Since we're talking Central Michigan, I wanted to just ask this question. And, you know, we know we had some studs with Staley and Antonio Brown where they rocked out like a ton of Pro Bowls and all that kind of shit. Out of the current group of CMU players in the league, do you see any of these guys making the Pro Bowl within the next three years, and, you know, if so, I guess just talk a little bit about it. Or if it's no, then obviously you don't have to say anything about it. And I'll give you a minute to think about it because I didn't give you this question ahead of time. But The answer is yes, Sean Murphy Button. That's the only one that has a shot at it. Okay, well, I was going to say I think, I think Murphy Bunting could get it potentially this year. Mm-hmm. I think Goodecky could get Pro Bowl this year or next year. I think he could be an impact guard right off the bat. I think he has a chance at it, but I think I think you need he's going to need a number of years rotating in to okay. to make that impact. And then I was going to say Raymond maybe within the next 3, but we got to see what happens this year and how much time he gets on the field, but um you know, I think Murphy Bunting, yeah, we agree he's the top guy. Uh, it'd be nice to see Conklin get it, but I just think some of his stats are going to be hindered with Uzoma, you know, playing tight end with the Jets too. So yeah, that and Wilson, I'm unsure about. So yeah, if he can actually pump out the passing yards, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, that's cool. So uh, yeah, for anybody who's watching, you know, hit us up, answer our question of the week, especially if you're a Central Michigan fan or. Chippewa, former Chippewa, alumni, active Chippewa, whatever. Uh, or frick, maybe if you're Antonio Brown and you're hearing this shit, hit us up, man. We want to hear from you guys. And uh, James, like always, dude, great show. Uh, hopefully we get some likes here from people if you're watching. And uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, otherwise, James, I'll talk to you this weekend. We'll make sure we're on the same page for our topic for next week, man. All right, sounds good. All right, dude. See ya. Straight Iron Grinder, hut hut hike!